To the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagberdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome listeners to the SDSU podcast. This is episode 80 and today's episode features the show grandmas. Betty Boucher and Leila McCoy make up the show grandmas that you all have seen and love attending San Diego State basketball games at Villas Arena. Obviously, they also made the trip to Las Vegas for the conference tournament, and Leila made the trip to the Final Four in Houston. So if you made those trips, you probably saw them, uh, said hi to them, took a picture with them, all the above. Uh, they become kind of a uh, an integral part of uh, San Diego State's basketball experience, especially for season ticket holders that go to VAS Arena. It was really awesome to connect with them and to sit down with them and interview them. It was the first episode we recorded in person with our interviewees. You know, Leila and Betty requested that we uh, do the interview in person to make it easier than to try to do it over Zoom or um, any other online you know platform and it actually turned out really well paul and i really enjoyed sitting with them and talking to them and you know getting to know them because you know as much as we see them at games and see their pictures and see some of the social media posts you know not too often have you heard them speak and talk about their stories and uh let us know a little bit about their backgrounds and you know how they came to become the show grandma so let's get to the interview a really good interview uh paul and i will be back afterwards to give us give our takeaways from the interview um and uh let's get to it all right we want to welcome betty boucher and leila mccoy to the podcast our listeners will probably know them better as the show grandmas but thank you for uh taking some time to chat with us today you're most welcome to start it off if each of you could just kind of go quickly into like your backgrounds were you born in San Diego? How did you end up in San Diego? Things like that. Betty, you want to start? Sure. We arrived in San Diego in 1946. <clears throat> so when we arrived, I was seven. And there was still a camouflage across Pacific Highway and on Pond Vera. And we arrived in the San Diego with Mission Valley with a two-lane two road. Huh. And cows and all, all of that kind of thing. San Diego State wasn't on my radar then, but, uh, you know, things soon changed in San Diego and, and grew. And I ended up in at San Diego State in 1956. I've been in Aztec since 1956. Yeah. Well, let's see. My father was a Navy pilot, and so I was born in Pensacola, Florida, but he joined the Navy in California because their family was from here, uh, both my mother and father. We have lived, I've lived everywhere. I lived the South, and when I was young, during segregation, I learned a lot. I lived in the East. I've lived in the West. I've lived in the Orient. 
But my parents wanted to retire in San Diego. So I started my college at a small college in New Jersey, a four-year. And then I came out to California and decided I wanted to be away from home. And they were in San Diego. So I went. Be careful. I better not say this. Long Beach State. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. All right. Interview over. Yeah, <laughs> but because I wanted a job in San Diego, my uh, teaching job, after I got my degree, I worked on my credential at San Diego State and indeed was able to get a job in San Diego. I left Long Beach. I loved my being there and going to school, but I was glad to get back and then eventually ended up working and supervising student teachers for San Diego State. So it, it, it all was meant to be. <laughs> so what you're saying is San Diego State corrected the education system. Back in the old days, they call it speech arts. They probably have a fancy name. So I this will come as no surprise. I did drama. I did uh, radio and TV. I did all avenues, uh, debate, all, everything. And they had an excellent program, and I loved it. And I lived at the beach, and it was a wonderful experience. But for me uh, and for my family, uh, San Diego was always going to be our permanent home. And now, because of Florida the way they are, I don't even claim them at all. (laughs) You're going to I met my husband at San Diego State. And went in my, I started my junior year there. And my husband had been in Korea and we had lots of, of guys coming back from the service. So we had to compete educationally with people who were older than we, if you started at 17. I met my husband in my science methods class. I, I had him in two classes. First place, I, I heard him saying, in the school production of Roberta, and he played Ladislav the Butler. He'd been a professional musician. <laughs> and that, you know, but I never connected him with this guy that picked up his books in the middle of a lecture, came down, sat next to me, and said, Hi, I'm David. And I went, <laughs> I was thinking, so what? <laughs> but persistent, persistent. So we were married spring break before I graduated, which was really cool. And then we put two children through wow, San Jose. I know we all you talked about the story about how you started coming to San Diego State basketball games over a decade ago. Um, I believe you started coming to games first before yes. Betty. Yeah. Can you? I know there's a story behind the family story around that. Right. Uh, can you explain that? Betty and I both, of course, started watching Aztecs on uh, because my connection working there and supervising student teachers, I was very involved. A wonderful educational de- department. Uh, but in 2006, our son uh, was killed tragically. He had special needs. And the education department at San Diego State were behind me all the way. And I must say, for the funeral, San Diego State was represented, San Diego City Schools, where I work, was represented. My husband and I went through lots of therapy 
but I just couldn't, um, I couldn't, San Diego State had me come back to work and I just couldn't look at those little kids and those, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So what happened was I bought the $100 package and I think it put me in the student section. And a lot of students were gone, but somehow a group of those students kind of adopted me for that period of time. And I never left and actually was have been reunited several times with that first group. And in Houston, I was able, they were there. Some of them live in Texas. And it really felt good to get back. The grief was so great because my older son was really a soulmate for me. And with his special needs, we were so much alike, even though his intellectual ability was limited. His personality was just, you know, he never met anybody he didn't know. Uh, It was amazing. So they nurtured me and then I branched out and I met all the students. I started doing candy at Valentine's Day and all this. I began to really start focusing on the memories of my son. And I knew I was meant to be there. And then I met Akil Quinn. Akil Quinn, the basketball player, hopped around, jumped around, smiled. And although didn't have a disability, he reminded me so much of my Martin, who died at age 23 and was not going to die of his disability. And so Akil and I became friends. And again, we got to reunite several times. And in Houston, we got to see each other. And so um, San Diego stayed special to me. And then, of course, I reached a point about six years ago, knowing Betty had graduated from there, and we also go to the same church. I said, Betty, what do you think? Would you like to go with me? I said, you know, there's metal on the floor. It's awfully loud. A lot of people don't like it. Well, you're not going to be surprised. This kid said, yeah. And here we are, still there. Does Akil know about how he reminds you? If you watch the video the Mountain West did, Mm -hmm. uh, I talk about it and they show pictures of Akil. Yes, he does. And I have some wonderful pictures taken of the two of us in Houston. I also got very, very close to Skylar Spencer's family. That was my first family. And my first love was J.J. O'Brien. So it all kind of evolved. And so I've been very fortunate in recovering from grief. And I wanted to talk about it uh, because I think I'm not the only one out there. And it's very hard to find avenues or places that you can restore your soul and that you can feel joy again. I was able to do that with the support of my church, the support of the faculty, the support of those young people. And they all know because they were involved, uh, most of them, in that video. So, Betty, I mean, can you follow up with that? What gives you this, this, this invite? I mean, what are you thinking at that time? And how did you, I guess, go from that beginning to being one of the showgrounds? I went to basketball games when I was a student. You know, because I did know a few people that were playing at the time. And then years and years, I was away from basketball. But my, I had um, a brother with Parkinson's, and I found some 
family with dad and a brother that were sports addicts. And when I was with helping to take care of my brother, we would watch the games. And, and I started reading the paper and I started reading the story, the stories of all these guys, how they, you know, their hardships, how they got stuff like you guys write. <laughs> you know, you're reading their, their stories and you feel that connection. Well, it happened to be the years of Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, and Dwayne Foley, when we went through all that from the court, you know, I mean, the stories from Parker and and, um, and so first thing I, I read still today is the sports section. I got like, first of first I come for absence, you know, basketball mainly. And then I go back and read the rest. But um, I was trying to figure out. Okay, I would like to go to the games, and my uh, I happen to know one person, and that was very apt about San Diego State. And I said, "Do grandmothers get to go?" I said, "It sounds like they're all sold out." And he said, "Do you know who you're talking to?" <laughs> he said, "When would you like to go?" And so we went and tailgated and. Um, so I think I met Monty Montezuma and, and everything. So I, I I met with this friend of my friend. My vet took me because I would take the dog in and we would talk basketball. And he said, I sometimes take my clients with me to the game. Would you like to go? And I said, sure. So, so I went with my vet. And then we my cleaning ladies. Yeah. Gave me tickets, but I went with my grandson. Then Leila asked, you know, I said, sure, sure. And I, I loved it. You know, I love it where it's noisy and you can yell and jump. I love the kids. I think you're being around. So it was a wonderful thing for me. And then they had two people, you know, to relate to. And we both kind of had different, uh, roles and did different things and uh they gave us so much i was delighted that she came and we, we never told this this will be a disclosure breaking news out of the story when i was watching with my dog on tv basketball and because my husband's not into basketball I called the athletic department and I said, Betty read the paper. I said, I, and her name was Leanna DeCock, who has retired, but she's back doing something with San Diego State. And we became friends because I was bugging her all the time. Okay. Leanna, I have got to get with basketball people. She said, why don't you go to On the Border mm. for the radio show with Steve Fisher. Yeah. I not only went to the radio show at one, this is before Betty. I went and I never win anything, but I got a cat with his signature. Wow. <laughs> so then when Betty came along, she we did, you know, tacos, beer, and Steve Fisher. Then we did tacos, beer, and Dutcher. So that's how you know we were first acquainted with the Dutcher thing. 
Yeah. And we, we go, I got to know the Fisher family and, and then the Dutcher family. And in many ways, we've even gotten closer to the Dutcher family because we will haul up to see Jan and, and the coach. They, they're just so unassuming, so down to earth. And they've kind of embraced us as well, which makes us feel special, of course. But anyway, um, unfortunately, that ended at, on the border. And that was a disappointment because there would only be 20 people there. And that's how I got to know the basketball, the female basketball, Stacey. Uh, she would come sometimes. And it was an intimate thing out on the patio. And we really miss that, don't we? Mm-hmm. So that was a way of connecting with people. And so that actually got us added to our repertoire. And one of the things we did in 2020 when we had so many new guys, Leila called Leanne again and she said, Leanne, is there any way Betty and I can get to know the new people that are this week? She said, anyway, you can get into a practice. Oh, wow. I forgot. This is wonderful. So we had, you had to go. Well, she said, you behave yourself. She said, they're getting the gist on this. You can't go to the jam center, but I might be able to get you into a practice. And you need to let me know when so we can unlock the door for you. You should come in, and but you have to behave yourself. Yeah, don't get, don't do anything, get yourself in trouble. You know, you're supposed to be under. Just quietly go in and do all this. Well, tell them where we sat. Yeah, we didn't know we there wasn't anybody at the door that we saw um, a service person go through the door. So we went through the door. We, We went in. And we found ourselves a place where the expensive seats are. You know those black leather seats? Here's all the thing going on. And just Betty and I. It was like you couldn't sneak in because, you know, we walked by the guys and they were right there. And we got hugs and then we got introduced to all the new guys. Yeah. And we sat up there. We sat. We sat three three hours. We watched. You know, the whole progression of what they do in a practice. And we were delighted. You learn so much about basketball. And Betty and I are just not pretty faces up there. We really love basketball. My younger son played at the Red from age seven to when he went to Patrick Henry and played on the freshman team. And you learn basketball. It makes it more fun. Don't you think, Betty, the more we learn? And we've got... You know, we've made friends, so when we don't understand the play, we have Somebody tells us. When poor Betty got vertigo and couldn't go, this is on a Monday. Channel 10 does our interview. We're going. We had our tickets. We had our tickets and everything, paying billions. I've gotten till Friday, so Channel 10 didn't found me somebody. I, I never thought I'd do that. It all worked out. But it's really funny. This goes along with Betty's story. Uh, how they tell us to behave ourselves. When I was getting ready to go and I had the sign and all this, I think you said to me, uh, or I said, yeah, Betty told me to behave myself. <laughs> she know, I'm the one that can get into the most trouble. 
and did get in trouble one year with one of those elite people who most of them are our friends. And uh, she well, would that escort me. That one is now, too. Huh? That one is. And he's friends with us. Now. I have to ask. I have to ask. Excuse me, I'm interrupting. Can't imagine the two of you getting in trouble. I did. So not so like, like I gotta know how you got security. Oh, security. security? Still, not that you're gonna have to give her a warning. You better, you know, you better behave yourself. Yeah. So nobody ever, because I go up, I I go up to the Adam Seco. Yeah. When he's sitting on the bench, when I would come in with his hoodie, and I would say Adam. And I talked to him. Well, the, the guards don't like you doing yeah. it. Now they all know us. But this one guard, I forget what it was in particular, well, I did. Well, well, we came when we came back from the bathroom. The game had started. And oh, she I didn't reached over. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> she reached over to tell them and he yelled at her. And then it escalated it because here's where the Here's where the Irish comes in. <laughs> Excuse me? And I didn't know because, you know, the more popular you become, the longer it takes to get to the bathroom and back to the student section. So I didn't know the game had started. Right. But he, they even brought in the boss die. And it was a big wow. deal. Wow. You have a mugshot? <laughs> <laughs> but it was a big deal. So they let you back in. They let you back in. You're not going to talk to this guy by yourself. He had a ring dog would ask going to the bathroom. Yeah. I, I was. I don't get angry very often. And I, I went in ahead of her. Daddy. Anyway, we did something. We did something we shouldn't. Yeah, you you need questions with us. This is phenomenal. You know, because um, this is what happens with us. And and getting together, would you say that we're a good match when you got there? You didn't leave me, so you must think we're (laughs) we're we're neither worried about. About the other. I think at first she wasn't sure she wanted to share the attention. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. The cameras went. Yeah, I mean, that, that would, that would, everything that happened to us was unexpected. <laughs> and it was one of the games. Yeah, and this. This was a new sign the students had come up come up with, and two signs they had one. The man well, we wanted to stay in our seats, but in the twenty twenty season, every seat was done. And we were in the student section, and we you know we didn't have student section tickets, and there were people sitting all around us because we got a few extra spaces, and so. But the students went to bat for us when they said, if you're going to stay here, then what you need to do is be really active. Because they went to bat for the first four row of people. And there were other adults. And our friends were in that. And they, the student section thought that when the students didn't stand up and yell, we did it. You know, we did all the things we were supposed to do. So they said, okay, you have to do a little more. You have to do the 
banner, the big thing that comes with that. Yeah. And we have to hold up the signs. And when the island didn't like the signs, well, yeah, but and I had a couple that I'm looking at. I don't know what it means, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you knew what that was, yeah. I need to have a whole state of your fishing. Absolutely. And when the break came, yeah, tell them we yeah. couldn't get to that because every I mean we were on our way and everybody high five and then they're coming down out of the stand <laughs> and doing you know. So but I want to tell them what you looked at me. I didn't want to sign because I use pom poms and I'm running around doing stuff. She, she moves around a lot more. I oh, I move. I, <laughs> I work with the cheerleaders. I'm in the all the groups know us now. And but holding this sign, she turns to me very seriously and she said, "Do you know what this means?" <laughs> and I said, "No, what it means." So we had to research that. The turn. Right. And he said, you know, and to me, it, it was always, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they still love it. I mean, people still oh, it's interesting. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It's a good thing I took that sign. They would have ignored me. <laughs> um, but it, it was so funny that that time with the sign. But well, it, it got so beat up during COVID time. You know, um, Lisa said, can we borrow your sign? She sent someone all the way from state to pick up some and take it to be with a comments. And then they made their own fancy ones, you know. But she kept, then she put, kept it in her garage for a while. And Who did? Lisa. Oh, we know. We were nervous. And then she that. brought it back. She brought it back. And it's all, you know, it's it's poster board. It, it had seen its use and beat up. And so we're looking at this, and a friend of ours who's a librarian said, laminated. <laughs> Your teacher laminated everything. Sure. It looks pretty good, doesn't it? It does. It looks great. It was fun uh, to carry that around and, and people wanting the thing. I said to some, the, the gal that went with me was wonderful. She took Betty's spot. She's a regular basketball person. Uh, and I I couldn't have done it really, even though I was on a charter and I had all the Aztecs looking after me. Um, it was wonderful, and she'd help me carry the sign. But when I was up in the area, how many people stopped me and and want a picture with the sign? I said to her, "How many people do you?" Because I know in Vegas we know what's going to happen there. The first time we didn't know what was going to happen. We stopped for breakfast and we got, you know, second time we knew what to expect. We just st stood out front and everybody went by us, you know, but um, I couldn't believe it. There's 72,000 people in that arena. I remember that last game. And most of the time, Lara, my friend that assisted me, went with me. She wasn't going to let me out of my own. And uh, good thing. <laughs> she did get lost. And so uh, people would stop me. And I said to Lara, how many, how many pictures do you think I took with people? Some I knew, but most I did not. I mean, I know I know they're Aztecs, but, and she estimated it sounded too much to me, but maybe it was. 
But then at one point, she did let me go down myself. And I was coming back, and all those aisles looked the same. And all of a sudden, I hear her. I'm with, you know, the sign. I don't go anywhere without that sign. You're going to love this story. I love this story. She, but hurry up, Leila. Malachi Flynn's waiting to see you. I get the sign, my drinks, and there's Malachi. His mom sat behind us, and he came up. So I, but I was, I thought I was in the wrong aisle. They all look, it's just, you know, it was foreign to me. When Leila took me the first time, she said, we go a half an hour. No, we go an hour early. Well, we had to in the old days to secure our seats. We stay a half an hour. Yeah. Because we do the hallway afterwards. Because that's when we talk to the dogs. And that's when we talk to the parents. Many of them are there from far away. One thing I'm proud of is I think we also kind of help parents connect with parents because we go from one to the other and have you met and, you know, and uh, it's, we have such a nice warm relationship with all of the parents and still in contact uh, with Malachi's family, with Jordan Shackles, Spencer's. I'm still communicating with the Spencer's. His dad, his dad is one of my favorite uh, parents because he would walk around. Well, Victor, you know, Victor was with me in the show one time, but everybody went crazy with Victor and me there. And they're a wonderful family. They live in the L.A. area. And uh, everybody loved both of them. I still connect with them. It's That has been a special addition. And then knowing the players after you've read about it. Because when they return, they come on and talk to me. That's so fun. Where did the where did the name Showground something? Well, Lisa. No, when I first got there, well, Victor Spencer had a name for me. Now I believe Victor, you could not pronounce my name, so you needed <laughs> a name. So he called me Lady L. And if you saw Twitter, I just sent happy birthday to Skyler yeah. and I signed it, Lady L. Uh, he knows me that way too. So he and that group always called me Lady L. When they were coming up with the name, I heard somebody say, well, we can't call you mom because we already have a mom. I don't know who that was. Do you know who exactly tagged the show, Grandma? Do you think Lisa Pearson? <laughs> Well, probably the kids came up with showgrounds. Or maybe Lisa when she did. Maybe Lisa Pearson. See, when we got popular, now this too, not everybody knows. I have my own page and I try to target when somebody gets good grades or does something. Um, Lisa Pearson came up to us and we did a bookstore thing and she said, I'd really like to start a show grandma on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we said, what? She said, how do you feel about Twitter? Yeah, we, we didn't do it. We didn't know how to do it. And so she actually runs the grandma page. Oh. And we go through her. And especially during COVID, we had to send her pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. But we worked together with her for that on special events and things. Hopefully, we're going to have our seats next year. There was a little time there where we thought 
And this last year, they're trying to get more students back in the section and too many grownups were there. The one time they did try to get us out, the students came to our defense uh, and said, no way. But this last year, Lisa Pearson changed our tickets for the remainder of the season to student tickets so that if we if somebody got wanting to get rid of us, because we've been in those two seats for years. And thankfully, we are because. We're getting to a point <laughs> to go any higher is just, you know, a wretched. So uh, that's what she did this last year. So I don't know what's going to happen this year. Well, if anybody deserves the grandmother day. Oh, that would be a great way. Yes. You're not grandfathered in your grand. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Leila, you mentioned you went to the final four. Obviously, Lamont Butler hits a game-winning shot to send them to the national championship. What was your perspective on that play? Well, the truth is, I think I looked down and missed it in real time. I honestly have to admit that. And I'm embarrassed because I would say of this current plot of players, we were, well, we're close to all of them. And and we don't discriminate. We're the, like, we were with the twins, the bench sitters. we're, We're with the people that don't ever play. We welcome their parents. So we're we're very close to many of them. But I would say the Butler family, uh, we were very close to. So for me to look down and miss that doggone play, and we had pretty decent seats. Uh, we weren't down close, and it wasn't in the show. Uh, but we had pretty good seats. But it was the whole thing. It was almost overwhelming, Andre and Paul. I mean, it was just overwhelming. But it was exciting. And to keep coming back like that was just amazing. Was, and I, my section was also many former players. So Winston Shepard was there, uh, a bunch of them. So that made it fun for me, too. Uh, but, yeah, that was quite a shot. If you're, if you're a teacher, you care about what those people are going to become. And that, that is your biggest and we see what we see over a period of time is them coming in as newbies and then learning the culture and, you know, the selfishness and the support of each other. That's a big commodity nowadays, yeah. that kind of character. And the fact, and I've been glad that they, you know, share the, the money, you know, that the money has to become a huge thing for San Diego State. Are you speaking about the NIL? Yeah, the NIL, yeah. which is still. I, yeah, I have to, I'm holding on things. I, I very much think, and in fact, I did approach Mr. Butler Sr. when they were going to possibly leave the various players. And I said, I just had gotten to know that family. I did not think Lamont would leave. And I said, Mr. Butler, and I gave him my opinion. I think a college education is important. Obviously, I worked at the college. I trained teachers. Uh, Betty and I both feel that way. And we're so proud of the program that Fisher and Dutcher have done that builds character that I have told people I would never stick with a program that was not a program like San Diego State and have that character element in there. 
And I followed like Adam Seiko from the quiet, shy days to see him through. And I'm also his family as well. And then I also have a Creighton connection. So I know Arthur Kalu, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my best friend's Creighton, and I lived in Omaha. So that character and the fact that so many, uh, this was a difficult farewell because so many had been there from bench, from the very Adam, for example, and then the COVID. We've known them. A rope, Nathan. We, we've known him for five years. And I mean, we're in the hallway. We know girlfriends and we know it was, I think this was a very difficult year, but we also follow along with the character of when we're in the show in the early days, uh, you had to stand up whether you were old or not. And I was very agile 11 years ago. (laughs) And so if the old dudes or we had students that wouldn't stand my, and I think the students that, the leaders that I got to know like this, I would turn around and say, Betty's 82 and I'm, if we can stand, (laughs) you can stand. And I would go up and do that. And amazingly, you know, it's a wonder they didn't all rebel and think we were awful. The other thing, yeah, yeah, they probably did. Sometimes they just stare at you and you wonder, okay, where are we going from here? (laughs) The other thing I did is that, and I certainly can use bad language occasionally, but, and I even did this in Vegas once, um, I did not tolerate the F word. If they were standing next to me, uh, I just, that was beyond what I could handle. I still can't tolerate the harassment because I sit right next to the bench. We do. Yeah. The harassment. Um, there's only one coach that was fine with me if they harassed him. I harassed him. He drove me crazy. Muscler. Yeah, um, that's the first guy I thought of when he said coach. <laughs> yeah. He just, I wanted to go down there and slap the man. But anyway, uh, they harassed. No, everything that about you know, make sure you behave yourself. It's all coming clear. I'm starting to. I'm starting to see. I didn't like that. I do lots of positive. You know, on Twitter, I do lots for on behalf of both of us. She she doesn't do Twitter. I always make it Betty and I, unless it's just my visit with somebody, and. I like to compliment that kind of behavior because that's important. To me. She's she's good. She's really good about it. And I do it. I work. I started uh, increasing my fan. You know, going around like gotten to know the cheerleaders, dancers, yeah, and all of them. And so then when I brought candy, my God, this last year it cost me a fortune to do candy for the show. The all these people. Yeah. Thank goodness for Costco. But I, that was the only. But I I didn't like it when, obviously, I raised a special needs child. And inclusion is important to me. Absolutely. Uh, I've lived in segregation. My family taught me right and wrong, and I saw it for reality. My base of friends in the East Coast were Jewish. I lived in Japan and was influenced by Buddhism and, you know, and Asian people. So I'm a very inclusive, anything like that. You know, it's very important to me. And so you try to embrace. And we have uh, one of the honorary cheerleaders is highly disabled. She's been there for years. 
And we've gotten to know that family. And, you know, we we try to reach out as much as we can. And some sometimes parents will come up to us and say, how, how do we get to meet some of the players? And we just have fun with us. Yeah. And then little kids, too. Little sure. Kids. Sure. Different. Little kids. And little kids want their picture with us. And... Old people want the pictures with us. It's just amazing. It is overwhelming sometimes. Even though I've kind of figured out it's because we broaden our and and we're we're transparent and available, but they make us feel as good as we must make them feel. I mean, it's a wonderful and we we've had good friends both the last times we were to oh yes that are our children's age. You know, but we've been good friends there at the AHAS. And they, the first time it was with Tomlinson's, and they said, Would you like to go to Vegas with us? That's how we got there. We said, Yes. And Dana said, Do you mind if I do um, a blog on you? And she did a picture blog Not for the three days we in Vegas, and, which was wonderful. And then they, they moved to Arizona. They moved to Arizona. And, and, and this year it was um, Paul and Janet Mitch. Tell them what they do. We're not talking about just driving us there. No. They yeah. don't treat us like caregivers. I mean, they're not like our caregivers. <laughs> but they treat us, look out for us the entire time. You know, they look out for us. They, they do all the technology stuff. They make sure we're hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Critical. Drink your water. Drink <laughs> water. I, I, we say just make sure that we don't walk in front of the car. There you go. You know, we're yeah. talking to everyone. And so they take pictures and they, you know, it was wonderful for us. And we'll do all podcast people. We're available for the next Mountain West Conference. <laughs> and we're available for Houston, but we need helpers because. I have a shoulder replacement, a knee replacement, spine. It's just, you you hate to admit it, but it wasn't it wonderful to have people not hovering over they're, us, but they're, making they're, sure that... They're wonderful, and they're into it just as much as we are. Yeah, they're big fans. That's, That's great. Now, I want to bring up something you just talked about, about, I know there's a lot, so I'll, I'll remind you. You had talked about that, you know, you didn't want people saying the F word around you. You were paying attention to all of that. You talked about the character of the kids, the student section, and the team. Um, but the show is kind of known for being disrespectful. Right. Um, nobody likes us. We don't care. Um, and it seems like everybody likes you. <laughs> and so how do you, I guess... Uh, the, that that tension because obviously you're part of the show obviously your hurts and everything says but there is that moniker there is that kind of reputation of this irreverent kind of rough edged group and you're part of it i will say it started with the telling them to stand up type thing and then i did get a little bit bold it is a fine line I didn't realize until Mountain West did the video, the two young people, the leader of the show and another young woman that's been in the show, 
I didn't hear what they said until it was published. And they addressed this and they said how what we do, which said, and it, it was acceptable. I guess it was done within range because they seemed to think it was balanced. And they would say, sometimes the grands tell us that, you know, but we understand that. Some of that I can tolerate. The part of harassing the players on the bench gets to me. And I sometimes, because we know all the leaders of the show, <laughs> I say, Eric, yes. cut it out. <laughs> or say, someone will say something and um, we only might respond to them. But then in the next question, she'll say, I really like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, they were getting up on people's shoulders. My God. I said, you know, remember up on this show, they were doing something crazy. And and I do like them all. It has nothing to do with liking them. That was safety. But it is a fun. The other thing that happened, uh, the candy passing was what I started on my own and have continued. I think that helps bridge the gap. The other thing is we've been invited to do the I Believe. We did it with Chet one year. We have done it a couple of times, three times. Uh, and we're up there because when we get a new crop in, they don't all know us. And I, I'm not as agile to go up and do as much as I used to. So most of the time, but if you were paying attention, this I think at this this last year, I did get harassed on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Somebody else jumped in. I forget what that kid's name or who it is. Maybe you guys know. And I fell for it. And I engaged with him. And then I, I cut it off. And he said, if you, this is what they're all about. They've been this way. But then I get the feedback from the kids that are there, you know. And I don't do it, obviously, run around the whole bit. It bothered me. I don't know who that person is, but I fell into it and kept responding to the point. I said, this is enough. And he said, if you don't sit there then. I mean, he was mean, but believe me, we have our support system too. Yeah. That I think came through to make me feel better. You did see it. I thought it was mean-hearted, and I I didn't like it, but he had a right to say it. But I'm not sure he's the majority. And you're not going to please everyone. No, you're definitely not going to please everyone. And we do so much feedback and hugging and other stuff, but. It takes a while each season, especially when we've cycled people out. Like we have two very special girls that sat behind us for a couple of years now. Uh, they're twins and they watch out after us. It's just building, you know, it's like a teacher. You build relationships. and But that's the first thing besides the security guard. And I was waiting for them. Uh, I don't know that person. Do you guys know that person? I think yeah, it's a few people. The Twitter thing? The one that... Yeah. We know who runs the account. Right? But it is a couple of people, yeah. We don't know them per- I don't know them personally. But, but you caught it, and other people yeah. did. Yeah. And I should have never engaged in that. And I did. But I got off of it, and I think I got some support. I got a word. What do you think about that? I mean, we're grandmothers. <laughs> I'm 
not a grandmother, by the way, and I'm never going to be, I'm sure. But uh, Benny is, but moms and grandmas can sometimes be excused and, and they expect it from us. I, I sometimes think they'd be disappointed. Yeah. Parts about the show from its beginning is there's an authenticity about the people who have been there and 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 it does kind of get reborn when people graduate and they move and it's different now than it was 11 years 100 and i think that was much your if you weren't yourself that wouldn't be the show right and i think that's the that's yeah. the fun part about the show is is that it is made up of the people who are in it and i think that's what makes it so attractive because in, in a lot of ways, I, I, I think you could argue that that it's very much like San Diego State. It's it's a group that has figured out how to be successful That's in, right. in ways that maybe other programs and other schools couldn't, but it works for the Aztecs and they're okay with it. And also the leaders have, I've seen a big change and maybe that was part of my thing. And who knows why I spoke up? I don't know. Maybe I was having a bad day and I needed to vent but the other thing is is we always because i sit right next to where the leaders are mm -hmm. and over the years i've gotten to know them and we give them lots of hugs and positive feedback about what they do that's not an easy job no. and they get very frustrated uh a few we've had some years where kids don't stand up and all that and they support us and and uh we ask them questions about things so I think they're doing a great job. I've never quit supporting him for that. Betty, I wanted to get back to the Lamont Butler shot. I know you weren't able to go to the final yeah. four, but were, did you watch it live? Where were you watching it? What was that atmosphere like for you? Oh, I was invited to, to several parties. And I said, I have to pull my chair up close to the screen because I have to see every play. And if I'm with a bunch of other people, I can't. Yeah. Concentrate. No. I mean, but we were the couple that took us to Las Vegas. We're on a, a group thing on our, our cell phones. So we're we're watching and we're madly yeah. texting back and forth and screaming and doing all kinds of emojis. And so it you know, it was fabulous. We just couldn't and, and our, you know, your heart's racing, you can't breathe. <laughs> And they're on the edge of your seat because they they make things not easy to watch, but wonderful. And then and then Paul would explain it, you know, like I think it was a rope that did a um backdoor door, I don't know what they call it, a backdoor block of one of the shots, you know. And so you get it explained to you. Mm -hmm. But it was it, it was wonderful. It was exciting, that's for sure. I, I just, Betty and I called her on a Sunday night after the, was it Florida? We beat Florida Atlantic. Yeah. And I, it was Sunday night. And, well, I'm on that threesome too, but if you think I had time in Houston to yeah. do the threesome, I didn't. I was lucky to, you know, get up the ramp and all that. Every time you go to the A-Hops, the crowds, impressive, especially when you look at it compared to other stadiums, especially on the West Coast. And then you go to Las Vegas and Aztec fans take it over. You 
went to Houston and Houston, I was in Houston and, and it was easily more Aztec fans than any other school. Um, and I asked the coaches and I'll ask the players, what does it mean? What does it mean that they have so many supporters and people behind them? They all say a similar comment that what the show does off the court influences the outcome and what happens on the court. Yeah. How how do you, I guess, the pride that you would take in being able to kind of influence those things that are happening and the success that the Aztecs have on the court? You are totally hot of it because if they're, you know, if they're not warmed up, I mean, you have, you have, you are yelling or you're doing a chant or you're doing something to raise the energy level to and to get these guys through hard places. And so you do feel at the end of a game, you feel like it worked. <laughs> that, that you were part of it. And that's huge. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're lucky to get out the door and be able to walk. <laughs> Well, we have to put on our happy faces. And we've noticed over the last few years, Betty and I, we don't show it. And uh, I think we're pretty perky. But there have been uh, days when we go out that back door, you know, and it's like, and we're picked up, by the way. My son and husband did it. And possibly next year, this wonderful person that took me to Vegas not to Vegas, to uh, Houston, May lives nearby, may be our transport, uh, because there's no way Betty and I are going to haul out to the underground garage at 11 o'clock at night, you know, kind of a thing. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the show, it was just an adjustment because the first show was a little more, uh, and I look at other programs and they all have on the same shirt and they're do these wonderful things like this. Ours is sort of a mishmash, but I think you're right. And and I don't see them ever getting down. They really do inspire, I think, what goes on. And you're on your feet. Um, you don't sit very much. I mean, we take a breather once in a while, but you're, you know, you're pulling them along. <laughs> you're, you're just, you're excited. I mean, you're just working that basket yeah. I've had times I've had to sit a little bit more this last year, but I do try to, to stand up. And I just think it's amazing. It's not just uh, the players either. It's the fans, the fact that we're meeting so many new fans between Vegas. And you know it when you get to, I mean, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen in Houston. They are a faithful group of people, the fans. They love yeah. it. It's like a family. Aztec Nation. But final question. You know, you guys are the show grandmas. You go to VAR for basketball. I think when I was talking to Leila, when we were setting this up, you mentioned you're not much of a football fan. Could we at some point see the show grandmas at Snapdragon Stadium? We would love to see Snapdragon Stadium. We need escorts mm -hmm. and seats and tickets we can, you know, get to. Uh, I'll, like, if you can stand or hang out with a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old, <laughs> I will happily be your escort this upcoming season, Brandon. You'll do what? Be your escort. 
I can't picture it yet. So I don't, I think I can maneuver it still. I don't particularly care for football, although basketball has gotten pretty rough in the last few years, but it would be fun to go. It's like we did go this year. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, we did go to because I feel terrible with Stacy. I've known her so long. We need to support women's staff. We and we and they met us there. This is our first time in such a way. Oh, we're going to do that more. We're going to yeah. be at women's game, yeah. right? Because they gave us a T-shirt, and I've known Stacy, and I'm so glad she stayed. And of course, know her hubby, and we had a wonderful time. If we can work. That in that was our one of the things we worked in, right? Yeah, that's that was one thing that we'd like to do more of. Yeah, we'd like to do that. Football is long. It is. It is. Longer than basketball. Yeah, there's. It needs to be a night game. Yeah, if it can work out. Yeah, night game because yesterday we went to a four thirty game and I was in the shade, but some most of the rest was I mean, that has been an issue. It would be fun. To, like last, I would say last year going to the women's, I try on Twitter in my account to give feedback to Stacy and the girls and all that. And I've been doing that and then feeling guilty that we'd never gone. And I don't know how we managed that, but we got there once. So I would be willing this next year, but truly we would need assistance because I don't even know what we're facing. You go to a basketball arena, you know it's going to be kind of like Riaz, you know. But I have no idea what that would be like. Do you think you could handle it? Well, I could do a football game. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing is we are noticed, even when we're incognito, other places more over the years. Both Betty and I in the grocery store. Yeah, I, I wasn't wearing anything abstract. I'm in the grocery store and the checkout line, and the guy, we, we had played the game in Houston, and he had an abstract. I, I don't remember what I said, but he looked at me and he said, You're there all the time. See, I wear my traditional, I'm upping some new glasses this next year. I have a whole range. Uh, for a long time, I'd wear the same. We wear different shirts, but uh, this is traditional, and I have hats, and I have things. Because, you know, I'm in the show. Betty, she, she, that's her. That's her. But the vet, I, too, had these earrings on, I think. But I was just talking about, we were talking about millennials or something, and I said, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm in a, a student basketball section. And until then, we were just chatting about our animals. And then he looked at me, and he said, are you one of the grandmas? <laughs> Can I have a picture for my wife? You know. And of course, I thought I could get to the vet with no makeup, you know, looking grungy. Don't do that anymore. So it's kind of spreading out, but it makes you feel good. And and I think we're and both of us being a graduate of San Diego State, me working for San Diego State. I saw the difference going through the credential program in 1967. Being there in the late 90s and uh, being involved in that program, I saw the difference in quality and what was required of those students compared to what I did. Yeah. 
I I love any time I can uh, to promote San Diego State. I'm proud of the university. So if I'm out and we can be ambassadors, I think we get a lot of opportunity to do some, not, when the butlers lost a child, and one of your people has lost a baby. Jane, yeah, our founder of EVT. He's communicated with me a long time ago. James Clark. Yeah. And, but when the butlers lost a child, of course, yeah, and just, you know, when you can reach out and give them a card, give them a hug, I see our role Take advantage of our teaching skills. And I was a speech arts me. I had to get a degree. I, I came along when you had to get a degree in some other something and then get your credential. I just think we're ambassadors. And, and again, I couldn't do it if I didn't think it was a good university. And it's close. It's so nice. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having us in your home and talking to us and I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this. It was a great, great interview. Thank you. You're very welcome. It seemed like we took, we kept you a long time, a long time with a lot of details in our stories. Details are good. That's exactly right. He'll explain it as a teacher why we should. (laughs) Well, thank you both, and I enjoy what you do on Twitter and your articles about basketball because you give other perspective. All right, Paul, that was the first edition of the SDSU podcast going on the road in-person interview with the show grandmas. A very different uh, experience, I would say, you know, technology-wise, obviously trying to figure out the the recording in person and and obviously asking questions with someone in person. You know, what what were your, what did you make of our conversation with Betty and uh, Leila? I enjoyed it. I agree. I thought it was, I'm, I'm definitely a personable person. And so to be able to go into Leila's living room and be able to just kind of see the actual human being, um, I thought was great. Uh, as far as just the entire conversation, everyone has their own personal experience, their goals or whatever they have about sports. For me, what they expressed in their story, I think is the best that sports gets. I mean, what else would you want San Diego State as their teams to be able to do for people, to be able to uplift them, um, other than what we saw? It was just heartwarming, right? I mean, the way that the show has embraced them, stood up for them, formed relationships with them, allowed them to to take on that kind of grandma, uh, not just the persona, but actually policing them a little bit and all of that stuff and, and that organic relationship, I just, I just thought it was it was special and important. I was glad that you were able to, to set it up for us. I, I think it shows it's another example of how sports can up, uplift people, can be people's, you know, mental health therapies. You yeah. know, not, not I don't mean sports like the result on the court or on the field, but like the experience of enjoying and being at a sports event and how that can create friendships, families, bonds for life. You know, Leila's story about losing her son, mm-hmm. using basketball as like another form of therapy, how Akil, Akil Quinn reminds, reminded her of, of her son who had passed away. You know, the, the relationship that her and Betty have formed, you know, they obviously knew each other, I think, through church and through some teaching stuff. 
but you know building that relationship into you know the, becoming the show grandmas and what they created for not just themselves but for aztec fans to to rally around them to a degree and like the, the stories about them you know getting noticed at grocery stores and at the vet and like at you <laughs> right. know wherever they are not even wearing san diego state gear and, and even them trying to be you know incognito you know yep. and not wanting to be recognized because they're just going to pick up some eggs at the store or something and i think people you know wanting to take pictures with them wanting to take pictures with the what i do baby sign it's just that all adds to that story and that 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 friendship and that experience that you know they're going to have forever. No, well said, and I think you know you you add on to some of the stories that they shared, you know, about how uh, you know Betty selected the sign and how it was just happenstance, and and she was like, I've never seen anybody at an arena yeah. roar like that, or you know, the eye kind of getting lost and. And in Houston, and it's Malachi Flynn who's there waiting for her, or all of the interactions, you know, after the game, being able to to see the players take pictures that you know on social media that everyone has seen and enjoyed from it. I think it it reveals a, a side of the team that, as part of the media, you get to we get to see um, how down to earth these people are and how open they are to to everyone. And how that that kind of, I think they're kind of following um, how Steve Fisher was, how Brian Dutcher is, you know, and, and that leadership. And again, I just think it gives it opens up a window that I don't think would otherwise be seen uh, without what they do and what they bring to it. And I hope I hope they don't take their tickets away, man. That would be that'd be bad news. I think they'll figure out a way to get those sit in those seats. You know, those seats need to be kind of, you know, reserved for the show grandmas. I really was curious of who first coined the show grandmas. And I, I guess they did, weren't really sure. They thought maybe it was Lisa Pearson they, with, the, with the Twitter account or, or what. But I'm, maybe one day we'll know, you know, who the first person was. But I also thought the on the border stuff that they talked about, how like that gave them a more personable relationship with Steve Fisher. And then with Brian Dutcher and his family, you know, was, I think she said we did tacos, beer, and Fisher, and then we did tacos, beer, and Dutcher. Like that's that's cool. Um, and I, I think that should that, be a T-shirt. Yeah, did that stop with COVID, or was that did that stop even before COVID? Like I don't remember when those uh, coaches shows stopped. I, I would I wouldn't, but I mean, with everything else that's happened in society, I would absolutely guess that it was it was because of COVID. Yeah. But yeah, no, those things those things were great. They used to do those at claim jumpers with the football team. Yeah, you know, I remember way back in the day at one of them getting to sit with Ryan Lindley's family and mm. just, you know, you, you get to see how connected they are to San Diego State. You know, and this is, gosh, forever ago now, right? He, he was the quarterback at that, at that time. But yeah, I thought, I thought they, I think, I think that there's a lot of those, man, um, that the university tries to connect on that personal level. Um, and I think it's one of the differences between what you see at the professional level and what you can still get at the collegiate level because well i'd be slipping away they, they're still amateurs <laughs> hopefully we'll see both of them at a, at a snapdragon stadium for a football game i think that would be cool i mean i get there you know they're not football fans but i think having that experience of going to snapdragon and 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 you know 
watching a football, a San Diego State event there, I think would be cool. And I think the the fans would would love that too, seeing them in other places. No doubt. Before we get out of here, we obviously cannot not talk about conference <laughs> realignment. The Mountain West board meeting happened on Monday the 17th. Obviously, nothing official has been released, but several people, including Mark Ziegler, have written and talked about, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a, you. yes, you are back in the conference with some conditions, meaning you have to pay some legal fees, which I think was less than $10,000 from Lettergate. And then uh, the other condition was to not use that original letter of the 13th to claim later that they had left and only owed uh, the smaller exit fee. As a reporter, you know, things might come out later that with more conditions or, or details. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think maybe uh, a lot was made over very little as a result. You know, you've you've written articles about it. We've talked about it on the podcast ourselves and with Bob Thompson from, you know, retired Fox Sports Network president. You know, at the end of the day, what what do you think today, this news really means? I think it means that the next 10 predictions that I make, I and when I'm wrong, I get a little bit of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I think this played out exactly like I said it would play out prior to the June 30th deadline. They asked for a month extension. The Mountain West gave them a month extension. The indirectly in, indirectly whatever they did it they did it yeah. um in, in the only way that they could there's no way that they ever could have done it officially and this is as good of a way if you were going to do it this is how you do it that played out in two ways either the pac-12 goes and ha- and invites san diego state and san diego state uses the letter of june 13th and says hey look we were out and whatever that all that plays with or they don't invite by the month deadline and now they're up for the 34 million or whatever and they that stipulation is no longer there i mean that's 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 exactly what i wrote would play out and you know it's what should have played out i mean the idea that with everything i mean especially after we talked with um bob thompson the idea that that june 30th even meant anything and that they couldn't have, have negotiated that and fought with that and that he was surprised that anything came out only because the June 30th had no teeth. It's 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 obvious that nobody made a mistake for the life of me cannot believe that every single person on social media could figure out that delaying this helped San Diego State, but somehow the Mountain West couldn't. <laughs> I yeah. just. I just can't believe I, there's just there's no way there's any truth to that or likewise that that San Diego State somehow made this weird mistake and like this you know they were really good about like not leaking stuff and then this one thing just happened to be leaked you know and I don't yeah. agree I don't agree um in the current with what Bob Thompson said that he said that they they could have said nothing I don't agree with that I think if June 30th had passed and there was crickets i absolutely think they would have needed to say something um especially given the way that the pac-12 has went about their business of hinting and all this stuff and i just don't think it is so you know i'd like to think that when we do our work with san diego state uh, no matter the topic we show the same level of 
thoughtfulness and insight. And we try to put that into all of our work. But I think I got it right. Kind of, to me, that's that's the thing I took out of it. Yeah, the the only little tweak to that is you could say they didn't get a 30-day extension. They got more of a 20-day extension. If you're figuring out that the reinstatement terms will be agreed to, you know, in the next day or two. But we, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to have a media deal and invite San Diego State in the next 10 days anyway. So if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened by this around this time. And so uh, they took their shot. I mean, as we talked about on a previous episode, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before, like there could be potential financial net zero by them still going to the Pac-12 in 2024 and paying a higher exit fee than the 17 million based on what they get in that first year in 2024. So I don't think this closes the door on them leaving in 2024 at all. It's, it's a possibility now that they will stay for one more year, but I don't think it definitely doesn't close the door. Um, And there's potential avenues where it could still be financially advantageous to go to the the Pac-12 if, if, and when an offer comes. Yeah. I mean, today's news is more of a formality probably. It has to be frustrating for all parties that the Pac-12 is still, I think today, some of what I read today on social media was that new players from the TV media companies came into play and now they're using each other or leveraging the other companies to try to get better deals for, for the Pac-12. If that's true, what changed, why? It does behoove the Pac-12 members to make, get the best deal for themselves. So, you know, if if they end up getting a better deal, as they say they will now than they would have three, six months ago, then good for them. And hopefully good for San Diego State if they end up getting benefiting from that higher amount, obviously. So any final thoughts there? Well, just to say that 30 days, I think it would have been a little bit too obvious if they said, hey, by July 17th, can we make sure that we have, you know, so there's going to have yeah, a but um, I agree with you. I, I don't see any monetary reason why you wouldn't accept an invitation to the Pac-12 if the offer's there, especially if, you know, especially with the Bob Thompson saying that the idea that they're going to pay $34 million is is kind of silly. Like, they won't. It doesn't matter what's written on that contract. They never pay that amount when, they, when this happens. So I, I think what this basically does is allows San Diego State to have an insurance policy should this unpredictable thing with the Pac-12 continue to be whatever it is. All of the the swirling and the rumors, which to me still don't make a whole bunch of sense that some of the, the Pac-12 schools, you know, might be thinking about leaving or maybe if it's an underwhelming deal and then what does that look like? And it just gives San Diego State that insurance that they're in a conference that they were able to go to a national title game in, in basketball, that they were able to build Snapdragon Stadium with in football, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's ultimately what it is. But if they're invited to the Pac-12 in 2024, they're only actually invited if they're able to share a significant amount of the TV money. Mm-hmm. And whatever that difference is between the 6 million, 6.6 million or whatever, if there's an increase and that I think it, and what the PAC 12 is offering, 
I think it goes from there. But um, yeah, said it well. I, I think it was um, a lot to do about nothing, and probably had more to do with getting everybody clicks and views and social media stuff than it did with anything else. Which honestly, most of all of the stuff also on conference realignment, it's been it's been a, a frenzy in that world for sure. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, obviously, as the weeks go ahead. It's Mountain West Media Day this week. Unfortunately, neither of us were able to make it to Las Vegas. But we'll um, obviously uh, follow along and see what you know Brady Hoke and Mark Redmond and Sidarius Barfield have to say when they meet with the media. Fall camp you know, will be starting next week. Yeah, and we hopefully plan on having... Uh, podcast interviews with all three coordinators over the next you know few weeks uh, and articles to supplement that about the offense defense and the special team so check out for those uh, as always we appreciate you guys listening in liking following sharing subscribing on all your favorite platforms and uh, we will talk to you guys next time Listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.